we're excited about that. So uh, <clears throat> we welcome everybody that's joined us wherever you're at around the globe watching us tonight. Those of you that will get this podcast, I want to just apologize to you all, but it's not really an apology. Just to let you know something. <laughs> I'm sorry for taking such a strong stand from Israel, for Israel. And I know that invites attack against our body and who we are. But they'll have to kill me before I won't stand for Israel. Amen. Amen. So I don't really apologize. I'm just letting you all know that the spiritual warfare has picked up probably. Uh, It's certainly picked up in my life. And uh, so I just want you to know. But we're living in the last days. We know that. That's why we got this hourglass here to remind us that we're living in the last days. So... Let's just uh, stay focused and get our strength from God and His Word and the Holy Spirit. And let's run with Jesus till He calls us home. Amen. Amen. And he's, it's probably pretty close to us all getting called home together. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time we have together. Thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus, that none of us have deserved. And we just pray, Lord, that... Uh, we would, be, we would be appreciative for all you've done in our lives. That we would be grateful. That we would be, uh, in our hearts, would just be so grateful to have eternal life. And we wouldn't take things for granted, Lord. Not anything. And we would give you thanks for everything that we have. We thank you, Lord, for this time we have together. We thank you, Lord, for the book of Job and what it means to us. And how it strengthens us. And how it keeps us strong. And keeps us from feeling sorry for ourselves as we see what this man went through and how he stood his ground. And we just give you praise, Lord, that as we go through here, you would strengthen us. And when we leave here, may we be more like you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Uh, I started to call it the book of Job, but uh, afraid people would leave and not want to hear it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's go to chapter 35. We've been getting a lot of good stuff out of here and... Uh, the youngest guy has, last week, he's the one that, he, uh, to his credit, he stepped up to the plate there, and, but he waited for all the old guys to get done, so that way he was um, uh, honoring them and, and waiting his turn, but when he got up to his turn, what, what, one of the things we will learn, and I, I, that we should have learned probably already, and that you may need to think about it with yourself, pride creeps up in all of us it does and we got to be careful with that so in chapter 35 Job and we know that's what started a lot of this trouble right with Satan when he was uh, pride entered into his life into his heart Uh, so Elihu actually it would be Elihu L-E-L is going to be pronounced as El Elohim for God one of God's names but Elihu He's going to continue speaking in chapter 35. He says, he answered and said, Do you think this is right? Do you say my righteousness is more than God's? And the actual answer to that is no. Job never got to that point. But sometimes we hear what we want to hear, especially... Now, let's be real. I, I, I want to, if I had a mirror, I'd like to just put it in front of all of us. Have you had a point that you wanted to make so hard you didn't care what anything else was being said? We've all been there before, right? We've all, you're going to make that point. It doesn't matter what's going to be said. And so Elihu's in that position. He says, for you say, what advantage will it be to you? What profit shall I have 
uh, more than if I had sinned. I will answer you and your companions with you. I'm going to tell all of you how it is. Now, the young guy waited his turn, but he's really feeling spunky now. And he says, I'm going to tell all of you how it is. Look to the heavens and see, and behold, the clouds, they are higher than you. I can just see Job saying, duh. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, but this guy's going to make his point. Uh, it says, uh, if you sin, <clears throat> what do you accomplish against him? Or if, you transgress, if your transgression is multiplied, what do you do to him? Now, here's what I want to show you. I want to remind you of this. And, and a lot of the things these guys are saying are true, but they're not necessarily applicable to Job because Job's been in this battle that God has allowed him to be in, and it wasn't because Job had done something wrong. God just pointed him out to Satan. That's how this whole book started. But you got to remember, Job don't know this at this time, so he's wading through, and he done what all of us probably did, start taking inventory, you know. Got a lot of trouble in your life? You know, just take some inventory. See if there's something between you and God that needs to be corrected. And, and I do that. I take inventory. When I get in a, a battle or when I get adversity in my life, First thing I want to do is check with God and make sure there's nothing between he and I, right? Then, then, then you can say, okay, God, is this just the enemy attacking me? Is there something that I need to correct? Or have you brought me down this path to strengthen me and, and to mature me? Find out, spend some time, if you can, in prayer. Find out what direction the battle's coming from. That way you can stand. It, it, it could be as simple as saying, oh, I'm sorry, God, I... Uh, I'm, I'm going to turn from that or I'm going to embrace that. So a lot of times Christians, it's not the things we're doing. Sometimes it's things we're leaving undone, right? So God's asked us to step into something and we've, we've left it undone. And so it could be something that simple. You could say, oh, I, you know, I'm going to embrace that God or I'm going to walk away from that and that could fix that moment. Or it could be that God's allowed you to be in a trial, a season of trial. Uh, and, and I've been through all, as I'm identifying these, I know all of you are saying, yeah, I've had that. I've been at odds with God. I had to get that corrected. Yeah, God's took me down a journey. And sometimes it's just a flat out attack from Satan. And that's what I believe our church is facing now. Just a flat out, he hates God. He hates everything God stands for. He hates Israel. He hates that the Messiah came through that line. He hates all that. He hates that Abraham who was not originally a Jew, but a Chaldean, actually walked out on this life and embraced God and became that man of faith whom the Jews came through that line. He hates all that. He hates anything that's part of God's plan. So anytime we're going to take a stand for God, whether it's a personal thing or a corporate thing or even a world thing like we're doing it with other believers, uh, then Satan's going to oppose that, Right? He's called our adversary. So Job's, they don't know what's going on. So they're, they're like us. You may get in a trial and you don't know what's going on until God starts giving you some kind of understanding. And then he says, uh, if you sin, what, uh, what's it going to do to God? And then in verse 7, he says, if you're righteous, what do you give him? Or what does he, uh, uh, what does he receive from your hand? Uh, your wickedness affects a man such as you and your righteousness, the son of man. So let me show you something on this board here. I drew better circles when I had a big board, but that looks like a strawberry. I'll just go ahead and put a leaf or two. <laughs> put some dots on it. That's a 
This is not art class. So God exists internally. I want you to think about that statement. In other words, God needs nothing outside of himself to exist. He's all sufficient. That can't be said of any other being. You, me, animals, Satan. Satan was a created being. God exists internally. So when I, and that's what Elihu's saying here, and this is a good point. It just doesn't, it's not what Job's going through. You and I, we don't add anything to God. He's all God, whether you and I agree with him or not. It's to our benefit that we come into agreement with him, right? That, 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 that adds to us. But I don't make God any more lovely. I don't make God any smarter. I don't make God any more powerful. He's all that. He calls us like little children. If you think about having a newborn baby or a year, two, a year, old, a year old or a two-year-old or whatever, they don't really add anything to the family other than pleasure. They bring us joy. And that's what the Bible says we do with God. We, we bring Him joy and we bring Him pleasure. That little baby can't do anything but go to the bathroom and eat. They can't do any, but they bring us pleasure, right? And that's how, so God, that's how we are with God. We don't add anything to God. We don't make God more lovely. We don't make Him more powerful. So the benefits on our side, when we come into God, we get all the benefits. And, he, and so he, do, he don't need anything outside of Himself to exist. And so, but we do. We need everything that He gives us in the natural and in the supernatural. So God... God exists internally, and Satan's not that way. The angels are not that way. Only God, the Godhead. And so he, we are dependent on him. He's going to be God whether we're a part of what he's doing or not. And let me just say it this way. Uh, you all have heard a lot of this lately. You're going to keep hearing it. Gaza's going to be gone. I don't know if it's going to be totally wiped out this time, but the Bible says it's going to be gone. It's going to be desolate. Damascus is going to be gone when God, God's going to judge all those. And there's not nothing that's going to stop that. So God, he, he brings us in and he, he's going, he's going to be God. He's going to, his plan's going to work out whether you and I are a part of it or not. He, he's God. And, and that's true about him. We don't add to God and we don't take away from him. He's all God, whether we participate or not. Now, I used to see, hear this said years ago when I was a young Christian, and I would have probably repeated it, but I don't do that anymore. Somebody would say, God saved that movie star because, and then, or God saved that pro athlete because. No, God, God can use a donkey. He don't have to have a movie star. He don't have to have a pro athlete. He don't even have to have you and I. He, he can raise up stones to praise him. But you know why he saved that movie star or that pro athlete? The same reason he saved you and me. He set his love on them. He offered them eternal life and he brought them into the kingdom. That's it. Do you realize that God would love, if I lost my tongue tonight and could not preach or speak again, God would love me no less. I'm not a robot. I'm his son. He loves his children. And so he didn't save that movie star so he could use him he saved that movie or because he needed him he saved him because he set his love on him and loved him into the kingdom the same way he did you and I that's the kind of God we serve he says because the multitude of oppressions they cry out he said to cry out for help because of the arm of the mighty but no one says 
Where is God my maker? Who gives songs in the night? Who teaches us more than the beast of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens? So we're the highest order of creation. You know, when you read this book of Job, knowing he's a contemporary sometime around Abraham, they knew all about the flood. They knew about creation. They knew about writing. They, they, they were readers and writers and all that stuff. The world's history is distorted so much. You need to get your first basis for any history out of the Word of God. We need people with biblical worldviews that see things the way the Creator said they were to be saw. Right? And so he says, uh, uh, there, there they cry out, but he does not answer because the pride of evil men. Surely God will not listen to empty talk, nor will the Almighty regard it. Although you say you do not see him, yet justice is before him, and you must wait for him. And now because he has not punished in his anger, nor taken much notice of folly, therefore Job opens his mouth in vain, he multiplies words without knowledge. And there's probably some truth in that. Because what, what we, Job's probably so frustrated because he can't really pinpoint anything that's caused him to be in this situation. He don't know that God is really high on him and pointed him out to Satan. Most of us don't want to be that high on God's list, do we? Where he says, hey, the devil comes to town and is looking for somebody, right? Uh, what's that old song? You went down to Georgia or whatever. He come to town looking for somebody and God says, hey, what about Rob? Thanks, God, for pointing me out, you know. Well, I don't know if we want to be that high up on God's list, but Job was. And Job is going through all this. So he, you see a little pride in Job because Job's a natural man. You see a little frustration because he can't figure out what's going on. And he probably does say some things that uh, he wouldn't have said if he knew the backdrop. Then Elihu also proceeded and said, Bear with me a little, and I will show you. Listen to this. this is, we've all been around people like this, and we may have all been this person at one time or another. He says, Bear with me a little, and I will show you uh, that there are yet words to speak on God's behalf. I'm here for God. I don't know what these other guys were doing. <laughs> I will teach my knowledge from afar. And we know, we know... Uh, well, let me go. I will ascribe righteousness to my maker, for truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. <laughs> now, that's pretty haughty, isn't it? That's pretty haughty. And we know he was a clampet. We know his last name was clampet. Because in verse 3, he said, I will fetch. <laughs> so we know he was uh, a clampet, right? <laughs> Isn't that what Granny said all the time? Go fetch some water, Jethro. Go fetch the water. So we, know, we didn't know his last name until we read verse 3. Now we know he's a clampet. He says, for, <laughs> I just told my age, didn't I? Right there. <laughs> Beverly Hillville. For truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge uh, is with you. Behold, so he's pretty high on himself. The young guy waited, but now he's ruining it. <laughs> Behold, God is mighty, but despises no one. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He does not preserve the life of the wicked. Uh, he gives justice to the oppressed. Uh, he did, now, that's a little bit of, because they're not under the new covenant there. You see that he does not preserve the life of the wicked. That's a true statement, but he is long-suffering. Because the Bible says it's not his will that any would perish, but that all would come under repentance. And if you read, uh, in fact, let's flip over there. Hold your spot there in, in, in Job, and let's go to Romans. I want to show you, go to the end of chapter 1 of Romans. I want to show you something that the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to us here. Uh, 
uh, and we may run over into chapter 2 there. Romans is, is where God really uh, exposes men who don't believe he's the creator. Sexual immorality, homosexuality, men laying with men. Women. And he, gets, he goes through that here in chapter 1. Uh, and, he, and he talks about... <clears throat> He's, he comes to the end of chapter 1, and he says these people who live like that. Uh, let me just back up, because he's got a good... This, the world needs to hear this regularly, actually. He says, uh, verse 18 says, for the, of chapter 1, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. So, it's not just this ungodliness, it's all ungodliness. Little ungodliness, a lot of ungodliness. And the unrighteousness of men. Unrighteousness of men is people who just do things opposite the way God's Word teaches. And that could be something small in men's eyes, or it could be something very big in men's eyes, but it's still all unrighteousness. And then he says, they, because these men who uh, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, how many people do we know inside the church world, and I just say it that, that way because there's so many... 8 million denominations now and all kinds of different slants. How many people with inside church world do we know that have let the standard of God's Word down that we have whole churches that promote something that's of the flesh? That's totally against what God teaches. But they call themselves a church and they do things that are immoral and unrighteous and they suppress the truth. Right? They suppress it. They don't tell the real truth. Why did Paul say? Paul said, look at the verse, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Now he's going to talk about that. He's going to talk about the ungodliness and the unrighteousness. Look at verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest to them. In other words, he, they know the truth. They've been exposed to the truth. And I quoted this verse Sunday in Titus chapter 2. It says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So nobody, everybody's, no one has an excuse. And Paul said even nature itself teaches there's a God. Right? There's a right order of things and even nature teaches us that. He says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Right? Uh, in, in Rome, or excuse me, in Peter, he, he talks about the people before the flood, how they chose not to receive the truth. They've, they didn't want to hear it, right? And we see a lot of that in our world today. In fact, Paul said, if they're going to be ignorant in Corinthians, I believe he said, it might be Romans, let them stay that way. And that sounds harsh, don't it? Let ignorant people stay ignorant. But, but in the context of what he's saying there, it's because the root word of ignorant is what? Ignore. People are ignoring. And remember, I, I defined this word, and it was fresh to me too, because I'd studied this a lot and never seen this facet of that diamond. In there where the Bible says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And I, when I got to studying that as far as I could run it, I realized it was <clears throat> not somebody who's constantly praying 24 hours a day. None of us can do that, right? We got to sleep. We got to eat. We have jobs. We got... God understands all that. But when you study what He's saying there in Hebrews, it's somebody who don't neglect God. So I challenge all of us, you that are watching there, get this part. Don't neglect God. He's not going to monopolize all 24 hours of your day. He's going to let you eat pizza if that's what you eat. 
but don't pray over it, you know. Uh, and, and praying over it is more than you just praying that it'll help your body. I don't know how well pizza does with that, but anyway. But it's also giving thanks that you're eating today. Do you know how many people didn't eat today in this world? So God, God's not trying to monopolize all of us and make all of us a monk, right, or a nun. He's just trying to say, don't be neglecting me. And like Jerry said Sunday, be consistent. Spend some time with God. Don't be neglecting him. And then he goes on, he says, uh, they, here's what they did, these people. He said, even though God was clearly seen in his attributes, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So nobody's going to be able to talk their way out of God's jurisdiction. It's not going to happen. Whether we follow Jesus and his teachings, that, that's it. It's really that simple. There's a little clip on our YouTube. It's that simple. Find out what Jesus taught and, and do that. And, then he, and, and starting with being born again as he's taught. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. And I believe there's not near as many atheists out there as, as we think or as they proclaim to be. They just don't want God. The problem with our world is they don't want God's authority over them. They don't want no boundaries, no jurisdiction. Well, I'm sorry. That's how it's all set up. None of us would draw another breath if it weren't for God. We, wouldn't have, we certainly wouldn't have eternal life that he offers us through his son, but we wouldn't have physical life either. If God stopped photosynthesis, we'd all die in just a few moments. If he just stopped the process of photosynthesis working in our world, we'd be done for we're so dependent on him. And why the world just keeps wanting to push him out of the culture, out of their own lives, even out of the church. A lot of people, they don't want anything to do with the whole counsel of God. You know I've been on a crusade for 30-some years to restore the Old Testament back to the New Testament church because most New Testament churches have abandoned the Old Testament. And there's so much in there that we need to learn and know it's our schoolmaster. Bringing us. And then he says, he says, professing to be wise. Let me back up. Says they, they, he says they were without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him, nor were they thankful. They were not thankful. That, I, I want to tell you, we, got, we need to make sure as Christians, we are the most thankful people around. When you have something in front of you that God's blessed you with, you ought to be thankful. You ought to thank it. I, I did that today. When I went to prayer time today over in Knoxville where my father's at, I went to prayer time and I thanked God for my shoes. Do you know how many people don't have shoes? My dad grew up without shoes. And some guy in the neighborhood felt sorry for him and bought him shoes. But you, we ought to be thankful for everything. We shouldn't be those people that take things for granted. We know how precious life is. I was in two ERs yesterday. I was in an ER in a small town, full. People waiting three hours. People frustrated. Traumatic situations going on everywhere. Of course, I understand yesterday was more of a demonic day because that's one of the devil. He loves to do his deal on Halloween. And then, then I went to Knoxville to another ER. Same thing. Full. Full of people. Traumatic situation. And as I was standing there, I was waiting on them to bring my father in to uh, Knoxville. And I was standing at ER and, I was, and that verse hit me and I thought, how true this is. 
If all we have hope for is this life, we are so miserable. I was looking at so many people in situations. I thought, man, if this life's all you've got hope for, you're going to be a miserable person. We got hope beyond this life, though, don't we? We got hope in Jesus Christ. And so we not only have him on our side while we're going through this life, and, and, and he said he'd never leave us nor forsake us, be with us to the end, but we have him waiting to take us to the other side where we get a new body. I'm loving that. <laughs> and get a new body and all that. So, but I was just thinking as I was looking at, I mean, both ERs were full. And I was thinking how miserable we are if the only hope we have is this life. And Paul said that. That verse came to me. We are men most miserable, he said, if all we have is hope in this life. Men most miserable. And I saw that. I was refreshed to that last night. He says, uh, and he changed, the, the, says they were not thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. Notice, that's our world. That's even people in higher education. Futile thinking. Futile. Stuff that's crazy. And uh, he says, uh, he says they became futile in their thinking. They weren't thankful. Their th thoughts, their, fool uh, their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Changed the glory of a corruptible God in an image made like man. Idolatry over and over. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things made idols. Uh, therefore, and Isaiah, I love what Isaiah says about Israel when they started making idols. He said, and, and if this were in our day, he would have said it this way probably. He, he, he said, you guys go get a tree. He told Israel this. I'm putting my own words. He said, you go get a tree. You cut it down. You carve an idol out. Then what's left of the tree, you burn it in the fire. He said, somebody needs to wake up. The very substance that you made your little God out of, you had power over to destroy it in a fire. Somebody, I think if he was here, he'd be saying, here's your sign. Was that an old comedian? Here's your sign. Somebody needs to wake up and smell the coffee, right? The very substance that this idol you're now bound down in front of, you took what was the residue of that tree and destroyed it over there. You have, you got, somebody needs to wake up. But that's what we've done. We've done that all over the world. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness. After they went into that and refused God, he said, I'm going to give you over. And I've said this for probably the last 25 years. The worst thing that could happen to America is for God to pull his hands back and say, you guys have it. Do your own thing. That's the worst thing that can happen to a person, to a nation, to a country, it's a family. It's for God to say, okay, have at it. You do your own thing. And, and, and that's what he did. He said he gave them over. And the, their, they, this, the, the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged. Look what they did. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And that's what's happening. From sexual immorality to idolatry, they worship all of that instead of God. Speaking of God, he said, who's blessed forever, man. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even the women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. He says, likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. That's a homosexuality, it's plain as you can see. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind and to do those things which are not fitting. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, and you see how far that's went now, right? We got people that say they're animals, and I mean, it's just went b berserk because once you cut loose and you, you kick God out of your thinking, your mind don't work right. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covenant, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, uh, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, bolsters. This our world's full of this. Inventors of evil things, right? I think there's a passage in Jeremiah that says God told Israel, said, you guys are doing things I ain't even thought about. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning. Disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, uh, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. We see that in the news in the last couple of weeks. People are unloving, unmerciful. And he says... <clears throat> Uh, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing, who knowing, who knowing. Here, I'm going to say this. I don't believe people are as dumb as they let on. I believe they just don't want to answer to God. Don't tell me. I don't want to live under God's authority, right? I'm going to do my own thing. And he says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So you got people who don't, and we notice this with politicians. They'll flip, and they'll flip just to get votes. They, they would never do it themselves. But they'll, see what he said? He says, the, those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those things who practice them, of those who practice them. So there are people that will switch positions away from God's Word just to get approval with somebody or to get their vote, knowing they wouldn't ever do that themselves. But that's, in, that, that's not good either. Because God's, you don't get by with God. Then, but look at chapter 2. Therefore you are inexcusable, man, whoever you are who judge for, and whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think, O oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or, so, in other words, people who don't necessarily practice it, but get pleasure and involvement in some roundabout way or approve it, he's coming after the whole crowd, right? He's not letting anybody off the hook. Because sin is an issue of the heart, right? It may manifest itself in a hundred different ways outwardly, but it's the, the, here's sin. Sin is in here when I say, I know what you see, God, and what you say, but I see and say my own thing. I do it my way. I know what you want, but I'm going to do what I want. That's what sin is. Now, it may come out in a thousand different forms in rebellion, but it really starts right here in the heart when I've said, you know what, God, I see what you say about it, but I don't care what you say about it because I want to do it my way. And then the, the follow-through is however that's acted out. And then he says, but look at this next thing. After he tells people they'll be judged, he says, uh, do you uh, that practice such things or do the same that you will escape to? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So there... When I was in Job, the reason I wanted to bring you there is uh, obviously the Holy Spirit wanted us to be there, but also, and we'll probably lose some followers. When I, when I preach on tough stuff, we lose followers. <laughs> Good riddance. But when you 
when, when you see that, <laughs> when you see that, even in the midst of all that, God still wants people to repent and turn. He loves us. He loves us. And your sin is not too big. The list of things that we read there in Romans, you can be forgiven. You just can't play by your own rules. It doesn't matter what the sin was. When you come to Christ, you turn your back on it. Doesn't matter what it is. We don't get to set up our own standards and our own rules. We have, we're going to be judged someday by God. So even though the world is, is, is really caught up in evil and sin, there's still a God going around to people we love, all of us love, people we know and people we don't know, being long-suffering, forbearing with them, trying to bring them into the fold. <clears throat> Let's go back to Job. So he, he says... He says that he does not preserve the life of the wicked, but gives justice to the oppressed. And, and verse 7 of Job 36, he says, He does not withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but they are on the throne with kings, for he has seen them forever, and they are exalted. And if they are bound in fetters, held in cords of affliction, then he tells them their work and their transgressions. They have acted defiantly, that they have acted defiantly. He also opens, uh, opens their ear to instruction. And commands that they turn from iniquity. Do not categorize works of the flesh. God hates all the works of the flesh. So when this guy gets saved, he has to turn from his sin. When this gal or lady gets saved, she has to turn. No matter what it is. The guy, what Paul say? If you steal, steal no more. If you're in sexual immorality, you're in it no more. Right? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you're in addiction, you turn your back on it. You turn Repentance in the Greek means that I'm going this way and I turn and go a different direction. That's what re repentance means. Even for the Christian. The Christian, because we all, after we get saved, we're still going to sin. But sin means that I'm going the wrong direction. I'm going to turn and go this way. And it may be, you may be like Jonah. Jonah wasn't, Jonah wasn't running to get drunk. He just was running from what he was supposed to do. Right? And there are Christians like that. God's asked you to walk across the street and share the gospel with your neighbor and you've neglected to do it. So you're, you need to turn and get that done. Whatever it is, right? So that's, that's what we're talking about even with believers. That repentance means to turn and embrace or go that way that you know you're supposed to go. He says if, uh, if they obey and serve him, uh, they'll spend their days in prosperity. I like that in verse 11. And their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey... They shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. But the hypocrites, but the hypocrites in heart store up wrath. They do not cry for help when he binds them. They lie in youth, they die in youth, and their life ends among the perverted persons. He delivers the poor in their affliction and opens their ears in oppression. Indeed, he would and a lot of this is good stuff. It's just good words from God, but they're not necessarily what's going on with Job. Indeed, you would have brought uh, you out of your dire distress into a broad place where there is no restraint. And what is set on your table would be full of riches, richness. But you are filled with the judgment due to the wicked. Judgment, the justice take hold of you. That's not true about Job. But it could be true about somebody. Because there is wrath, beware lest he take you away with one blow. For a large ransom would not help you avoid it. Will your riches or the mighty forces keep you from distress? 
Do not desire the night when people are cut off in their place. Take heed, do not turn to iniquity, for you have chosen that, this rather than affliction. Behold, God is exalted by his power. Who teaches like him? Answer, that's nobody. Who has assigned him his way? Or who has said, you have done wrong? Remember to magnify his work of which men have sung. Everyone has seen it. Man looks on it from afar. Behold, God is great and we do not know him. Nor can the number of his years be discovered. For he draws up drops of water which distill as rain from the mist. So they, 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 these guys know science and everything. I, I, it makes me want to lay hands on some of these people that think they're smarter than everybody. I believe, everybody says what the preacher believes. And he's probably right. Just go ahead and say. That other than Jesus, the smartest man that ever walked was probably Adam. He didn't have no sin behind him. His father, God made him straight from the dust. He didn't have a dad that was a knucklehead. He was getting, he was walking with God every day, getting instruction. He was so smart, he named all the animals. I mean, he's probably the smartest guy that's ever been outside of Christ. Because he didn't have any sinful, he didn't have, see, they weren't even exposed to uh, evil, right? They, they didn't have the understanding. They, they, they were just focused, right? They were focused on everything good. Talk about a smart guy. He had to be the smartest guy around because they were totally focused. Their brains were used. They probably, I heard one theologian say, they probably used their whole brain. Look at us. And, and he, he, he was, so these guys are not dummies. They're talking about weather. They're talking about science. They know what's going on. And, and, and I, hate to write, I hate the way the world, and sometimes even the church world, writes people off in the Old Testament as dummies. And that's why they don't use it anymore. But I'll guarantee you, Adam could spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. He would win the spelling bee, I'll guarantee you. You and I wouldn't win it. Uh, so he talks about how he drops the water. And, uh, and here's something I want to point out in verse 24. He talks about not uh, everyone has seen uh, men have sung God is great, but we do not know him. I was thinking about that, and, and that's one of Job's cry. He said, oh, that I had a daysman. Remember that? I think that's how the old King James says it. This is the new King James. Reading from. He said, I had a daysman or a mediator that would go between me and God. Job was wanting that. Well, that's who Jesus is. And we do know him. See, that's what the new covenant brought in with us in the New Testament. These guys were crying out for something deeper that you and I have access to. We should be grateful. He says, for he draws to the waters, to see the clouds drop down, pour abundantly on man. Indeed, can anyone understand the spreading of clouds, the thunder from his canopy? Look, he scatters his light upon it. He covers the depths of the sea, for by uh, these he judges the people's. He gives food in abundance. He covers his hand with lightning. He commands it to strike. His thunder declares it. The cattle also concerning the rising storm. These guys weren't dummies. They were, they were uh, smart. And they, got, they had a relationship with God in some way, but they did not have the same kind of relationship, the depth of the relationship we have available to us. 
And I'll close with this. If you're like an Old Testament believer and you're looking toward the New Testament and you know that God's real and you've seen his power, that's why I say nobody's seen the power of God like Egypt, right? I mean, they saw it. It's in their history. They saw God. But if you're an Old Testament believer and you see the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament and then you look at what's coming and what Joel and these, some of these prophets told was coming in the New Testament, they probably looked at the New Testament, the New Covenant, and thought, you know, the Holy Spirit's not only going to be around, He's going to live inside of those people, and they're going to take Him home. They probably thought, those people in the New Testament are really going to be powerful believers. They might be a little disappointed, might they? So we have, we do know Him. And we have access to them.